It's episode 686 of the Locked On Rangers podcast. On today's show, I'm talking about the Rangers winning 5-0, a huge offensive day and adjustment from Josh Young, and the Frisco Rough Riders being your 2022 Texas League champs. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all four seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 28th. Your Rangers are 66 and 87. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers and subscribe on YouTube where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment any single thing below. Now let's get into this 5 to nothing dominating victory by the Texas Rangers last night. All five runs came off the bat of Josh Young. He has made some adjustments, he is looking much better at the plate, and he's got a four-game on-base streak that includes his first two walks in the big leagues. Now, one of the things that he has been working with Donnie Ecker on is not chasing pitches outside of the zone. That has led to him being much more patient at the plate, You know, not trying to expand the zone as much, not getting behind as much in counts, because... As of right now, pitchers are pitching him low and in. They're pitching him low and away, especially especially low and away. Um, the pitchers that he has faced so far as a big leaguer, 69 of those have been low and away outside of the zone. Um, 26 of them have been low and in. Those are the two areas he has been pitched to the most. The third most is actually a tie for high and away and also right smack dab down the middle of the freaking plate. Three of his five home runs have been absolute meatballs that he has not missed, and credit to him, when he's getting pitches there, he is absolutely hammering them, and he hammered a pair of them, his first multi-home run game at the big league level. He had three hits, a solo shot, a RBI single, and a three-run bomb to seal it away in the eighth inning. Those bombs were massively hit, 108.3 miles an hour off the bat for the one that went 424 feet, uh, 105.5, I believe, um, off the bat, 105.8, no, 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 where'd we go? I swear I just had it right here. Um, 105.5 off the bat, no, my God. Anyway, first one, 419 feet, 108.3 miles an hour off the bat. Then the three-run shot went 424 miles an hour, 105.5 miles an hour off the bat. The one that went farther was hit less hard. Weird number, but that that first solo shot was the hardest hit ball he has had in his big league career. Very nice to see him getting a little bit of that Josh Young power that, well, most of us knew that he had in him for a long time. He has not hit any opposite field extra base hits. The only one that is kind of close yet, a double to pretty much dead center field. He only has a few hits to the opposite field. He has been, throughout his career, a really, really good entire field hitter. He does not. He is not a guy who 
you would think is going to be shifted on a whole lot. Well, no one's going to be shifted on a whole lot uh, dramatically next year, but still he is a guy who used the opposite field a whole lot at Texas Tech. And in the minor leagues, he has home runs to the opposite field even this year when he was on his torrid streak in AAA. He had a lot of home runs and doubles laced to the opposite field. He hasn't done that at the big league level quite yet. He said that one of the things that surprised him is not how hard he was it was facing big league pitching, but how they pitched him differently than he thought they would. So these big league game plans are smarter. They are more adept and uh, they had a lot of information on him already, even though he has only been in the big leagues for 17 games. But during that 17 game stretch, he has been absolutely crushing it on pitches inside the zone, laying off those pitches down uh, has been very, very effective. He even got uh, his first home run. The hardest hit ball he had of the season is off the reigning Cy Young winner, Robbie Ray. That is an incredibly impressive feat. Robbie Ray was, was really, really solid in this start uh, five and two thirds innings for him. Only two runs, which were both earned. The one home run was of course given up to Josh Smith, but he had eight, eight strikeouts to just two walks still fairly effective in this one but the Rangers were able to get to him and this offense for the Mariners was not able to score despite I know I just said on yesterday's episode that Eugenio Suarez was not going to be here of course they activate him off the 10-day IL right at the beginning of this one I still think that Julio Rodriguez he, he might come back at the end of the series but I don't think he's going to be activated today I definitely could be proven wrong but I just don't think that he is going to be in this series I hope that he's there for the playoffs because this team is almost certainly going to make the playoffs unless they lose like pretty much all of their games <laughs> and the Orioles go on a really really nice winning streak it's going to be really hard for them to um give this up but still uh they they uh they are doing their best because this was not a great outing for them and this was a, this is the chance that uh that the Mariners had to get on the Rangers in this one because uh, for all the greatness that that happened this game, there was a scary moment at the end. Corey Seager was hit by a pitch and it was a really, really bad bruise. You could see it on the broadcast and the people in the, uh, in the press box could also see it that it like by the time he reached first base, it was, uh, I believe on his forearm, it had already bruised up nice and purple in just a matter of like a minute or so. So he was eventually taken out of the game for a pinch runner, Josh Smith. He is listed as day-to-day. There is no fracture. Thank goodness Corey Seager was just starting to find his end-of-season push. The last seven games he had been crushing it, and this one he had been doing fairly well as well, um, but just was not able to uh, stay in this one. Hopefully he'll end up being okay, can play some in the remaining nine games that the Rangers have this season, but that was a scary moment. Glad there's no fracture because that was a really, really bad bruise. I'm assuming Josh Smith is going to take those reps at shortstop for the season. Um, Col- Culberson got a start in this one because he has such great numbers against Robbie Ray, um, but he went 0 for 2 with the strikeout and then was pinch hit for by Cole Calhoun, who also went over two with a strikeout and DH'd um, because if if you can put a guy with a six seventeen OPS as your DH, you know you just you just have to, and then you know pinch hit that guy for a guy with a six hundred OPS on the season. You, you just you just have to do that when you can. Definitely no reason to have Mark Mathias out there who has been crushing it offensively all year. No no reason to 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 use him as a DH. No, not at all. It's fine. 
definitely not mad. But still, this was a really, really solid outing by the Rangers and not just by their hitters, which again, mostly was just Josh Young going off. Sam Huff reached base twice with a couple of walks, had some hard hit balls that ended up being outs. Um, and, you know, offensively, there wasn't a whole lot going on for anybody else. But the pitching staff, the starting pitching, and the relief pitching were very effective, surprisingly so, in this one. We're going to get into that. But first, this episode is brought to you by Blue Chew. Summer's winding down and the nights are getting longer, but the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff. That's right, this episode is brought to you by Blue Chew. Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life, especially... That's true in the bedroom when it's time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and you're approved you'll receive your prescriptions within days. The best part, it's completely done online, so no visits to the doctor, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's signed or foreign, just chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for details and important safety information. Now, the Rangers had an opener in this one. Jesus Noko pitched two shutout innings, did not, did not allow a hit, and struck out a pair of Mariners in this one. Really solid outing for him. I only expected him to go about an inning. I wasn't sure who the primary pitcher was going to be, but it ends up, it was Tyson Miller, who has not had a great season at the big leagues this season. But he, he stepped up. This was one of his best outings as a big leaguer, definitely with the Rangers this season. He had not he has an 810 ERA on the season, and coming into this one, he had an ERA of 18. He only has had two other games where he pitched for the Rangers. He had a two and a third innings of where he only allowed one unearned run against the Chicago White Sox on June 10th, and then he had a inning or an outing where he had six runs, all of which were allowed, four hits, two walks, hit by pitch in two-thirds of an inning against Houston on the 15th. He has not been back in the big leagues ever since. It has been uh, three months and 12 days since that last outing. But this one, this is a very improved outing. Three and two-thirds innings of work. Uh, only walked one, allowed a pair of hits, did not allow a single run, and struck out three. He was very effective in this one. The Rangers bullpen, like I said, has been getting taxed. Um, they have not been really stepping up in the way the Rangers needed them. But Dennis Santana came came on to finish off that sixth inning for him, allowed a walk, and then gotten out. Matt Moore had a scoreless inning, as did Jonathan Hernandez and Jose Leclerc. A really, really nice one, two, three pair to finish things off. This was uh, not a save situation for Jose Leclerc, but he did allow a pair of walks. Didn't allow a hit, but still not a whole lot of drama when you're leading five to nothing with your closer out there on the mound in the ninth inning. Now, what I've liked to see in Jonathan Hernandez get an extra inning in there and save Jose Leclerc for a actual save opportunity. Eh, maybe, but I mean, the Rangers are facing really, really good teams in two of these last three series. So, Getting every win that they can, I think, is important, and Tony Beasley is managing like it. So I guess going with your probably one, two, three, one-inning guys is is a decent a decent thing to do when you are only leading by 
Uh, let's see. In that seventh inning when they threw Matt Moore out there, they were only up two to nothing at that point. Then the Rangers got the three-run bomb by Josh Young. They threw out Jonathan Hernandez and then the closer for that not quite closing situation. But still, really impressive stuff. The Rangers need every little start like this they can get with Dane Dunning being out for the year and there not being a whole lot of options in AAA that they're going to call up. They're not going to call anybody up from the AA roster. We'll get into that Frisco championship in a minute, but still, this is a huge bonus, a huge buku. The Rangers are six games better than they were last year already. They have got an opportunity to be as many as, I believe, what is it? Let's do my math. There are nine games left, so... 9 plus 6, 15. If they, go on, uh, if they go on a winning streak and win every single of their remaining games, they could be 15 wins better. That is a 75-win team. That would be incredibly impressive. They're, they're not going to do that. They're, they're not going to. And if they prove me wrong and make me look like an idiot, I, I don't feel like I'm going to be made to look like an idiot. Even if they do do that, that is just not something that this team has done. I mean, in the month of September and August, it has been incredibly rough. They've only had one winning month this season. And if they did that, then that would mean a winning month of, uh, of October, which would be nice. And it'd be much easier to do than a winning month of, say, a month where you have 20-plus games. They're not going to have 20-plus games in October. But still, it is theoretically possible for them to finish with 75 wins. They're not going to. But even 70, still a 10-win improvement. Say say they win, I don't know, five of their next nine games, and that is a 71-win pace. Even if they only win four of their next five, just below 500 in that these final nine games, then that is still a 10-win improvement. That is about what you wanted. It is not in the way that you would have wanted it, um, but still... There were some promising moments. There were a lot of really frustrating moments, and it's easy to get lost in something like that in a season where there are a lot of expectations. There were a lot of thoughts of, all right, everything should be different now because we brought in three, four, five players or whatever that should be you know, pretty darn decent starters after a year where it seemed like everything could have used some improvement. And even the players that were there that we thought might have used some improvement, might have been on the line, took some big leaps forward. We didn't see a whole lot of that last year. I mean, we didn't really know what to expect from Nathaniel Lowe, but he was just, like, fine. Uh, Jonah Heim was was not good last year. Jose Trevino ended up being passable. But there just wasn't a whole lot of improvement. This year, we've at least seen that. We've seen the improvement from young guys like uh, Nathaniel Lowe from Jonah Heim. Granted, the back, the back half has been really, really rough for him. But Adoles Garcia took another leap forward this year. Didn't fall off in the back half of the year. We have Corey Seager there. Uh, Marcus Simeon is among the legal, the American League leaders in baseball reference war. He's in the top five, which is really darn impressive. You got way more out of Martin Perez than you thought you would. Brock Burke turned out to be a revelation. John Gray, when he was healthy, was was very, very helpful. And, you know, you got some surprise contributors at the back half of the roster, like Eli White, uh, like... Um, Nick Mabry's Valoria stepped in for a minute and, and did pretty well. Mark Mathias has had some some great moments, and we've also seen some pretty darn good moments from Bubba Thompson as well in some limited capacity with his just elite, elite base stealing. Now, granted, 
that's not to say there haven't been setbacks. Brad Miller has been uh, pretty much a disaster, not a, at all what the Rangers thought they were getting from him. They thought they'd be getting a whole lot more from Cole Calhoun. They didn't. They had one month of really insane production, and that was it. Brad Miller didn't even really give it a month. The other, Some of the other guys on the back half of the roster, Charlie Coberson, has not lived up to the expectations that he had for him. But we've also had some, some young guys who have only played in small roles. Josh Young has had his really, really nice moments. We've seen some incredible defense, some really good base running and on-base ability from Josh Smith, who is probably going to get a few starts while Corey Seager rests and recovers from this injury. And Ezekiel Duran provided a lot of moments of magic in his short stint at the big leagues of, well, 58 games at the big league level, despite playing less than 100 games above the single A level of baseball. So there have been some encouraging signs. It's easy to get bogged down in the madness and the badness of a season as it winds down in this way. But still, it's hard it's hard to to not see improvement in this roster and some reasons for optimism, despite how bad it may feel. Another reason for optimism is the Frisco Rough Riders are Texas League champs. We're going to get into that. Who sealed it off? Another frustrating outing from Jack Leiter, but another pitcher who had a really incredible outing and an offense that, of course, saved them. But first, this word from our sponsors. Frisco Rough Riders are Texas League champs for the first time since 2004, only the second time in their team history. The last time this team was even in the Texas League championship was a decade ago with guys like Jerickson Profar and Mike Olt leading the way. But there was no Jerickson Profar, no Mike Olt, no number one overall prospect in all of baseball in this one. The closest thing the Rangers had to it is Jack Leiter, who started this one, and uh, he was doing what I was wanting him to. What I wanted him to do was just throw a lot more fastballs. Be confident in your stuff. You've got a really nasty fastball, two nasty breaking pitches, a changeup that's a work in progress, a cutter that is also a work in progress, but still can get some guys out. And he started throwing fastballs right over the plate. And he got hit hard a couple times. And after that, he was a lot more timid with his command. He was missing. He was missing close. He was missing close, but still... It was still missing, and I feel like he wasn't quite getting the same calls, the same benefit of the doubt that uh, Hedrick was for the wind surge. But still, you got to work around that. If you're not getting the calls, and you got to be a little finer with your pitches, a little finer with your command. He was still not hitting his spots, and he ended the game after walking the bases loaded. He got two quick outs. It was a bit of a battle in that first inning, allowed a pair of runs. But it was a bit of a battle. He worked back to get out of it. Then in the second inning, he got two quick outs and then walked the bases loaded with two outs. Just not acceptable. Not acceptable for a guy like that. And I know I've been harping on him a whole lot. And he is just a kid in his first pro start. His first pro season, excuse me, not his first pro start, but there hasn't been a whole lot of progress since that first pro start. And I think that's one of the frustrating things. Jack Leiter is supposed to be a polished, polished guy, and we've just seen very, very little progression from him this year, and it's been really frustrating. But there is a pitcher who did take another big leap this year, had a nice leap last year in some limited outings. We haven't seen him for a while. That's right, it was Owen White. He came in, pitched in relief in this one, a pair of innings that were perfect and perfectly 
strike perfect on strikeouts as well. Six strikeouts, six batters faced, no walks, no hits, no hit by pitch, no nothing. The guy was just absolutely electric. We haven't seen him in a hot minute. We saw him in one game in the postseason. I believe it was also the Jack, the last Jack Leiter start. He only worked one inning, only needed nine pitches for that. But this year he has been a revelation. Last year, he dominated in the Arizona Fall League. I don't think we're going to see him in the Fall League. This year, he had 35 innings under his belt. Uh, last year, that is, I don't believe that is including the Ariz- that is not including the Arizona League. I think he had like 20-something innings there, maybe 25. But anyway, he had uh, at most 60 innings last year. He has uh, 83 yeah, 83 under his belt if you include the postseason this year. That is a step forward. Had a 359 ERA in 15 games during the regular season. That was 80 in the third innings. And 104 strikeouts. The guy was absolutely dominating. It was a bit of a rough start for him in Hickory. He ended up with 11 games there and a 399 ERA. But in his four outings in Frisco, which again, I never got to see him in Frisco. I don't think he pitched a single home game while he was in Frisco. In those four outings, he had a 2.49 ERA, 21 and two-thirds innings, and allowed just one home run in that span, four walks, and 23 strikeouts. The guy was nails. The stuff is nasty, and it was still nasty in the freaking Texas League Championship. It is a great moment for these kids who were celebrating like it's a real championship. I know it's only minor league baseball, but still, you're teaching these kids how to win at a professional level. It is helpful. The Rangers have not had a whole lot of championships. They've had a lot of really good teams, and they've really, really stacked this one full of some pretty darn great players. And they had some young guys who were really, really coming through late in this game. They were down to nothing early from the start. Didn't score the first run until the eighth inning. They tied it back up in the eighth inning, but then gave up the lead in the bottom of the eighth, got one run in the ninth to force it to extra innings, and then the offense exploded for four runs in that tenth inning. Some really, really great stuff for them. They started with a ground up from Kelvin Strom, then got singles from Franjo Chavez, a walk from Scott Capers in the nine hole, Jonathan Ornelas, Evan Carter, Justin Foscue, all singling. Uh, Carter was able to drive in a run and get to second base on the throw. Um, Jonathan Arnellis was able to score a runner and get to second on the throw as well. Just some really nice moving the baseball, churning the lineup through and just getting on with it there. Um, Really nice stuff from them. And we saw Nick Starr on the hill to close it out. He is going to be in the Arizona Folly. He did allow a couple of runs on a home run, but it was still a two-run game. Also, some big moments from Thomas Jacy, who struggled a little bit offensively early on, but was able to drive in one of the runs. I believe it was in the ninth inning um, to tie this game up. Yes, it was in the top of the ninth inning. Was able to drive in Jonathan Ornelas in this one to tie it at three. All this Ranger, this Rough Riders offense has been fantastic. Like I've said all year, all the way from one through six in this one was just a really, really solid team. I mean. You go Jonathan Arnellis, Evan Carter, Justin Foscu, uh, Aaron Zavala, Thomas Sejaci, Luis Angel Acuna. You even had Trevor Hover there hitting in the eight hole at first base. Your first baseman, a bat first guy hitting eighth and crushing it. 
Even Scott Capers, who was not thought up as a very highly touted prospect, still had a really, really great postseason. He had a multi-homer game in the first game of this championship series and uh, even contributed late in this one. He's a 17th round pick out of Valparaiso. Yeah. Parazo? Parazo in 2018 so still has a little bit of shine on him he's 25 years old and as a catcher they take a little bit longer to develop he's had a a pretty decent season a 772 ops on the year with 11 home runs maybe a guy that might need to get a closer look as a potential top 30 guy i don't know that he's quite going to make it because in into my top 30 because the rangers have such a deep system but if they were where they were a couple of years ago that would definitely be a guy to keep an eye on and now he's hitting ninth in the the Rough Riders order. So really impressive stuff there. Also got to see a little bit of Ricky Venasco in this one. He was a little wild, allowed a run, three hits, two walks in his two innings of work, but also got a pair of strikeouts, was able to limit that damage and still give the Rough Riders some, some length out of the bullpen. Probably would have seen Cody Bradford in the game three winner take all, but the Rough Riders didn't lose a single game this postseason. They were 4-0, two different best three series they won both games in both series not a whole lot of drama this one was dramatic it did wait till the 10th inning but i mean even though it went to extras the rough riders poured on a four spot in the top of that 10th inning and pretty much took all of the drama out of it i just want to commend these guys again for a really really great season i have enjoyed getting to watch them a little bit more this year than i have last year but again the frisco rough riders games are always a freaking blast and this team is chock full of some really really great players and a, a really great team and a really great farm system this is again i have just been so impressed by their ability to come on strong and you know the offense being loaded with such fantastic players and it really speaks to the depth of this system how well they have done at building it how well they have done at drafting thomas jc and evan carter in that 2020 draft um even justin foscue coming on having a really solid year overall he finished with 101 games during the regular season exactly 400 at bats 31 doubles 15 home runs which really came in bunches and an 850 ops i still think that he is probably a left field second base dh type Uh, they played him a little bit at third i saw him there not not a whole lot to work with there if he can hit those home runs in bunches more frequently because when he goes on a tear it's absolutely insane uh but he needs to do that a little bit more i think they're hoping to get dustin harris some more at bats in the Arizona Fall League once he gets back healthy. He only played 85 games this year with an 817 OPS, but did have 17 home runs, um, which was not quite the leader. It was in second place on this Rough Riders team during the regular season. Blaine Krim with 24 in 119 games was the only one who had more home runs than him. Dustin Harris also tied with Trey Hare, who kind of opened some eyes this year. He was not thought of as a real prospect. He's listed as a third baseman. He's played um, a whole bunch of different positions. He's played in the outfield. He's played at third base a little bit, um, but he had an 825 OPS in Frisco this year, 17 home runs, 14 doubles. Definitely someone to look out for just a little bit. The average was a little bit low at 241 or 244 and on base of 304, but still a team full of boppers. You don't really see this kind of depth on a team and this kind of depth in hitting and pitching on the season. Cody Bradford was, was for me, I would say the pitcher of the year in Frisco because of what he was able to do for as long as he was able to do it. 
because it started off really rough for Cody Bradford. Again, he had a really, really great start to send the Rough Riders to the championship game after a rough outing from Jack Leiter. Forney's Mason Engler was stellar in the first game of this series, and Jack Leiter had a couple of poo-poo starts um, in his two playoff series. I have no no idea what what it's going to take for him to get better, but I, I'm sure he will. I'm not that worried about Jack Leiter. I'm not mad. I am mad, but I'm also just a little bit disappointed. I'm not worried. I'm disappointed. That's that's what I should say. The the mom phrase I should say about Leiter's season, but. I know for every bit that I'm mad and every bit that any Rangers fan is mad or disappointed, uh, Jack Leiter, well, whatever uh, emotions that he feels, they are uh, anger, frustration, whatever has it, he is feeling it a hundred times more than any of us could feel it. And he is going to be working even harder than any of us would to get that much better in the lab at Vanderbilt. He can go, Take some time off of baseball, kind of forget about missing glove side almost every single time with his fastball. Just go take some classes, be a college kid, get back to see some of his Vanderbilt buddies, and work with some of the best big league pitchers in the country at one of the most advanced pitching facilities in the country and just get right for next season. We'll probably see him again in Frisco, but by that time, they will be the reigning champions of the Texas League. Congratulations to Frisco Rough Riders and every single one of those kids, every single one of the staff, coaches, all of them, all the fans. Just a great moment for them. As for a championship parade, screw it. Why not? Have a championship parade. Best baseball team in the Metroplex. Why not? Just go crazy, kids, because they absolutely earned it. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Rangers on tomorrow's show. I'll be talking about one of the last Martin Perez starts of the season against a really, really tough uh, Seattle team looking to come back after a shutout loss to the Rangers. For your second listen, go check out Locked On MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan gives you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. It is free and available wherever you get your podcast. Thank you all so much for listening, and until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball.